0: Kuros here. Today on the show, we have Marion Hill and Hannah Pepper, director and star of the new indie film, *Mabel, My Beauty, which was at Sundance and will also be released streaming like soon. And you can you can get it. They said the date in the actual thing. Dang it. Shoot, Jordan, I should have the date at the top of my fingers. That's no, nobody's ever said that. Top of my fingers is nothing. Um my beauty. What was the what's the deal? When is it coming out? It's gonna it's well dang it. Dang it! Oh enjoy the show. Ah, I just found it. Jordan just found it November 23rd, 2021. Phew. I think- Look, I gotta tell you all. I just went outside to take my dog to pee right before this, and there were, I heard a tapping—you know—sound. And then I looked across the street, and guess what was actually out there on um, the freaking coyote Falcon pole? Was a oh, real no, um, wo- like a like a set of like three woodpeckers all doing their job that they're known for right <laughs> across on, the street. They were all so on nice the same to see pole. them. They were on the same pole. The pole right across the street. There was a they. They were at different heights. Like, it was that's like they were like
1: truly wild. I, that's what I thought. I was, were like, I thought of them as solo creatures.
0: It was as if they like divided it up. Like, they were like, okay. I like, like it did feel like a very like calling shotgun situation where one of them was like, I'm, a, I, I, like, I got the middle. And I'm, anyway, I, I live, um, I live sort of near the mountains now. And, and, um, it just, just wanted to share with you that I saw three wood so, like, one follow-up question yeah
1: do you think it was just like casual or is there a chance you think they were like trying to take down the
2: pole <laughs> <laughs> i hadn't even, even thought of that um it's just so they rare. Were sent, sent by the electricity company
0: <laughs> that you think that you think they're on the Oh, clock. okay that actually okay. you know what that makes a lot of sense especially like you know, California, fire season, like, um, mm-hmm. you got to keep your polls really safe. I don't know this is yeah. this was gonna something was gonna mm-hmm. make sense there, but anyway,
1: yeah. um yeah, I think we can all just go there individually in our in our <laughs> fantasy world.
0: I just wanted to <laughs> share that. um thank with you. you both. So I always have uh I always have guests introduce themselves. will you will you both introduce yourselves? Yeah.
2: Are we rolling? All right. Yeah, um, that's it's. I think the woodpecker story is going to stay. We've been I really in. cool. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's going to be part of cool. it. Cool. Yeah. Okay, good. So, intro woodpeckers. Next scene is I am Marion. That's right. It runs
0: in, that's how podcasts go. They go in scenes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a storyboard. I think you've betrayed your job. I think you've betrayed <laughs> your job a little bit. But yeah, keep you gotta going. You got to know bro. what's coming next. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Um, yeah, I'm Marion Hill also known as Marion sometimes, depending Uh. on your (laughs) mask. I'm learning things. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm based in New Orleans. I'm a filmmaker. I am a queer Vietnamese, non-binary woman. And I am happy to be here and meet you, Cameron. I've been a I saw you do stand up in LA like ten years ago, I think. Oh gosh, really? Uh-huh. That's awesome. And yeah, so um, yeah, good to be here. Um, Hannah and I just finished a film. Well, we shot a film in 2019 um, <laughs> called "Mabel, My Beauty," mm-hmm. um, which was our first time working together, and it was an awesome experience. Very. Uh, That has a lot of meaning now, given where we are at in life in the globe. And um, yeah, we just went on, we just did our New York and LA premieres in August, and they're now kind of, you know, onto our next things. So.
0: Right. I feel like I got the initial screener for this like a minute ago. Like, what is it that I did? I get it like before the premieres or like when? I think you. Like I feel when like it's we been got
2: been into Sundance, because Which, so that
0: would have been like what March, January, or something? January. Yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. even
2: before that, December, November. November got December. it. Yes, I think we have
0: managers at the same place or something. Got it. Yes, we do. And because I, because I, cause I um, look, I mean, congrats to other people that they're getting a chance to see this film, but like, I, I, I've been. I've been seeing this film for <laughs> almost a year. I've been <laughs> okay. I really I really cool. I feel like it's so nice to to feel uh that there are any perks to the gig, you know? Like what a what a delight. Yeah. Uh, Thanks
1: for framing that. Like you've been perpetually watching it. That's right. <laughs> it's, it's been yeah. on. It's I don't turn it off. <laughs> yeah, it's good. What do they call that? It's like um ambient ambient that's right. television yeah. just like let mm-hmm. it sink in let it sink in I, isn't I'm that what hannah. podcasts
2: are <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it depends I, I think on it does depend. who you are but and what the podcast is thank you thank you that's what i'm That's why i'm here for today just to come in with the great points um i uh, my name is hannah pepper i use they z she and he pronouns i'm an actor on my belt i'm also really excited to be here today enjoyed listening to your podcast so thanks for having us
0: did y'all two know each other before making this film
2: you answer Uh, that hannah because i always have to
0: answer that question (laughs) and so i want to hear how you answer that question okay i feel like it's gonna be a good answer
1: Marion, i've never told you this so just give a little sign if this is like inappropriate to be saying but Um, The first time I remember seeing you was at at an Impact Play workshop at Dynamo Sex Shop. Oh, I forgot. And it has the name is way classier than Dynamo Adult Boutique, but it's a really awesome sex toy and sex education shop in New Orleans. And it was at an Impact Play workshop. And I saw Marion come up. Marion is a really. I have to emphasize, Marion is a really, really cool person, um, <laughs> and <laughs> looks very cool in the world. And drives, technically, a scooter. But some people, of which I would count myself, it's like scooters and motorcycles are all the same thing. So, sure, was it a motorcycle? But it, yours is a scooter. <laughs> Marion, is that correct? It was a scooter.
2: Okay, Just but in my head, it was a motorcycle. But in your memory, yeah. it can be a motorcycle if you want.
0: Scooters can be cool also. We don't need to, you know, say that scooters aren't.
2: Marion comes up on their
1: scooter cycle. (laughs) Doesn't actually sound that cool. (laughs) Um, Wearing this like leather jacket with an undercut. And they're with someone that I do know. But so there's this like Cameron or Marion, maybe you both have experienced this like basic theater training on like status where like if you want to maintain the higher status, you can look at someone like once. But once you see them, you can't acknowledge them anymore and I also wanted to seem cool to Marion so I didn't like try to introduce myself to them or anything or say hi or look at them again even though I knew the person they were with because I was like that person is too cool and I would also like to be cool yeah (laughs) but I didn't know like Marion I didn't know who you were at all and the next uh, the next time that I heard of Marion was with that same person. And we were at one of our friends, like is really into the Oscars. And I had gone over to her house to watch the Oscars. And then, um, that was my friend, Rachel. And Rachel was like, someday like Marion, you know what, you know, Marion is going to be at the Oscars. I was like, Oh, Marion, Marion's a filmmaker. That's cool. I don't know a lot of people in film. Wow. This person just gets cooler and cooler. And then the next interaction I had with Marion, I got a text message from them that was like, I am doing a reading of this script that I'm working on for some film people to get feedback. And I need someone to play this role. Some people have, you know, said that you could come to this reading. And I was like, yes, I will come to this audition and (laughs) I will... (laughs) (laughs) prepare and I I will dress as if I were the character and I will do my best to be in this movie. And that's sort of,
0: that's how it went. Do you think that when you're talking about that, like sort of initial moment, does, I mean, because I don't know either of you, um, but I did see the film. I'm curious. Do you, do you think the vibe was to two same guys? Like, is that the vibe that you were noticing when The motorcycle pulls up, scooter pulls up. Is it like, (laughs) I'm not going to acknowledge this person because there's a sameness thing going on and it's like a sameness off? I'm just curious because I find that to be something that I experienced in my life that I I don't think I've ever talked about on the show.
1: Wow. That is such a real, I'm going to put that in my pocket, sameness off, because that's definitely something I feel in my life. I think that was probably... An element of it, I think that I thought that maybe Marion was like a little bit of a cooler version of me.
2: Wow, so there was this is recognition such news to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> recognition, <laughs> but also like right, jealous, not jealousy, yeah. but sort of like I'm not sure I I'm quite sorry. measure up to this I, person. Also, I'm a bit, I'm a bit older, and so already sort of having my like. You know, I think I was 31 probably at that time, but definitely already really identifying with the sunsetting of my
0: uh, cool queer time. Oh, Mm. we don't have to do that. That's not that. That's not at 31. (laughs) Certainly, that's not at 31.
1: Oh, fuck. I've recovered I've recovered That can't from that be a 31
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> To be clear, I'm not 31 anymore But I, uh, I've recovered from that societal conditioning So I guess I, I share that to say Anyone, you know, listeners yeah. You can too Also uh, quiet the voices in your head That might tell
0: you
1: that your <laughs> period is sunsetting It's really just the end of the day And tomorrow the sun will rise That's Again beautiful. on how cool you are <laughs>
0: That's beautiful.
2: Well, there were also probably other reasons that, you know, I mean, it was a demo of sex toys. So there were probably also other reasons that we weren't like, I was definitely like not really feeling interactive in that moment. You know, Mm -hmm. I was really there to go get some information and purchase something and get out of there. But, um, yeah, you know, I totally forgot about that. I'm glad you brought that up. Um. Wow, we go way back, Hannah.
0: Yeah. Wow. This is a. This is just a follow-up question. That mm-hmm. how how much of a demo can somebody legally do?
2: Like a very much of a demo? I guess demo is the wrong word for what no. we were at. But you were more of a it description. Impact, what
1: were you workshop? It workshop. So it was just workshop. one. It was one teacher. Actually, it's by my friend who teaches it, and is an amazing sex educator, and she sort of just had all, like, different tools, like, both things that they have at the store and sort of what she calls pervertibles. Um, so just sort of your basic household items that you could turn into impact. And I think the most wow. demonstration mm. that we saw was, like, her probably hitting her own hand or, like, hitting her thigh.
0: Got yeah, you. that makes sense. I don't know what's happening in New Orleans. I mean, you know... <laughs> Shit could be wild.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I've gone to... <laughs> you don't know, you know understand what I'm, saying, what I'm <laughs> Yeah, I mean, though, yeah. there's fisting workshops where people get fisted. I think there's just a certain level of consent and buying in. And like, it's not an open... No one can just like walk in. I don't know that they right. do it at that location. That's what I mean. maybe mean. Maybe, no like, like, maybe not happening at a store. Like maybe not
0: happening at a commercial business <laughs> that is right. selling. Yeah. Different kind of venue. Wow. Well, we've already covered so much. Um, Marion, because Hannah was sort of talking about, like, their side of things. Um, in this experience, like, what's your side of things?
2: Definitely surprising for me to hear because all those sensations and, you know, about Hannah were kind of the same in my direction. I thought Hannah was abundantly cool. Um I wanted this character to be abundantly cool. So that was sort of what drew me to Hannah. Hannah has this very confident come hither energy. Um, And yeah, we, we, it was really kind of, you know, New Orleans is a very small place. Hence the queer community being even smaller and um, was not that small, but it feels small. And You know, it's the kind of place where you just know someone from seeing them around a lot um, pretty frequently. And that's that was uh, that was kind of it. You know, we had once once Hannah came to that first reading, I will say it wasn't until you met Idella, who's our other lead, that I was completely 188 percent convinced that, you know,
0: this was the match. Maybe this is a good moment to... Can you give us like a brief synopsis of the film? This might be a good moment for that.
2: Yeah. Um. So the synopsis of the film would be uh, there once was a polyamorous triad involving Lane, played by Hannah, Birdie, and Fred. And they once shared a balanced functional love in new orleans back when they all lived in new orleans and the film opens um a few years later when Bertie and fred are now married not only are they married they have moved from new orleans to southern france where fred is from are living in his parents house and um, since being there, we kind of, we discover that Bertie has kind of been having a hard time adjusting to this new life. They are both jazz musicians, by the way. She's a singer. He's a trumpet player. And um, she hasn't really been feeling herself. And, you know, we don't really know why, but we sort of start to figure it out as the movie goes on and um their ex lane shows up for a visit and um ensues you know kind of a summer sexy summer escapade um in which you know really mainly lane and birdie try and figure out what went wrong and where they go from here now
0: you know, so the first thing I think that, like, stands out watching the film is just that obviously it's not going to be news to you that we don't have a ton of stories about polyamorous relationships. I'm trying to think if I've even seen one. Have you like in a film, not TV? I'm also trying to think.
2: Yeah, well, I actually haven't seen it, but there's the. mar. Uh, what's, it's got the word marvelous in it.
0: Oh, I have seen that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. The, <laughs> the marvelous <it's>, <laughs> Yep. The, were they, uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman yes. is happening. Yep, 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 yep. And, yeah, uh-huh. I, yeah, I can't believe I
2: still haven't seen that, but there was that it's one. Good. I know. It's good. Yeah,
0: it's good. Yeah. I watched good it on things. a plane. I just, one thing that I always say is like, why, I, I'm constantly watching queer movies on planes and then feeling like so much shame and, um, exposure
2: <laughs> like I just like I just I,
0: anyway I'm not sure if it's I'm I love them the I love that
2: I love all my beauty is going to be that film for people when
0: they watch it on the plane. <laughs> absolutely yeah totally it's I'm like, like covering else? the screen because there's like a sex oh, scene mean one time I was watching Carol and it had been edited for I feel I can't uh-huh. remember if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before but it had been edited so that there were they didn't even kiss nobody even kissed in it In fact, I tweeted about this, and the Weinstein company had to um, issue a response. This is before they had other things to (gasps) worry about. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But then the person next to me was watching Paul Giamatti be ball-gagged on Billions, and I felt, like, so embarrassed to just watch, like, flirty glances. Oh, (laughs) my God. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But... um, Okay, so you so we are agreed that this is a rarity in the world of film.
2: Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, what's funny is that I never really called it a polyamorous movie, or like that wasn't that wasn't like the first word and the first descriptive word for me. But it became so just because I think, you know, the the uh, assumption is that people want that at the moment which you know they do what was your first
0: word if like you would have been describing it
2: um queer and then love story and then drama and then poly after that probably Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it, it wasn't as much as we haven't had polyamorous content um I was very adamant not to try and explain polyamory to people, you know, and not to want to claim polyamory just because it is something that looks different for everyone. I mean, there are, you know, a base, base, there are foundational components of it, you know, but other than that, it's really, you know, everyone's going to have their own take on it. So.
0: I mean, it's also interesting to me, I guess, that you would want to, like, lead with queer because I I also think that, like, maybe outside of the queer community, um, there's an opportunity for confusion and, like, misunderstanding around the fact that one of the people involved in this triad is a, like, cis dude. Because Mm I obviously... By erasure and a fullness of pansexuality and the way queerness really looks is like not necessary. like that's not we haven't yet broken the um like rainbow ceiling to uh get that message out and i do think that's another thing that this film is doing that's like but i'm curious as to what the response has been specifically to that if you've gotten some questions about that or any and maybe, and the, you know what? If the answer is no, cool. Like that's also great,
1: yeah. I will say my favorite answer to that question is when I talked to to friends like super Les friends who are like, "I really identified with Fred. Fred's the character in the triad who I think that I'm the most like. And that that really gave me a lot of. Of joy. And I think what I <laughs> what I love about the film is that it, it I think that Marion's writing really leads with the experience of the relationships and the experience of desire and the experience of finding yourself in relation to others and figuring out what the container for that is, rather than sort of leading with the container or the external reality. So I wonder if that's some of it too, that it because it's so rooted in the experience of the characters and their desire and it goes outwards from that, there's more space to just be like, oh, I'm like kind of living along with these people yeah, as opposed I, to worrying. Yeah.
0: I see what you mean. I mean, it's definitely like more of a, like it feels, it's like less like, uh, heavily it's less of a really specific and strict plot film than it is like a sort of a being at the party film Mm. what what is that Anne Hathaway movie where like her sister's getting married Rachel getting married Um, yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) Anne Hathaway is getting married yeah (laughs) it felt a little Rachel getting married to me in that you're like part of the party and I think that that's a that can be a really nice way to experience um like because that movie is about someone like about addiction and th- and and it but it but you're just like a buddy you're like a part of the team and I think that's a different mm-hmm. way of talking about addiction than like from a with a real distance um and that's mm. definitely what this film feels like is like you're like at the party also because everybody's why I don't even know who's living like this but the parties seem very cool <laughs> <laughs>
2: We had a good time. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I actually had a whole podcast with our current with our producer talking about Rachel getting married as a big reference and love, love film for me. Um, So thanks for saying that. I mean, yeah, it's been interesting like it. The the response to Fred has been funny. Um, you know, you definitely have cis men who are like, I'm so confused by Fred. Like, what is his deal? What is his, you know, what's driving him, or like what's going through his head? Um and then also just I mean, we've had questions and Hannah always rolls their eyes whenever someone asks about or like internally, maybe. I feel Hannah or externally. Their eyes. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, I have
0: no <laughs> poker face. <laughs> like around what like what kinds of when you're saying that the dudes are asking like what's going on do you mean do you mean like is the, is that the question in quotes like how could somebody put up with this kind of a thing like is that the vibe or like what's the vibe. Um just going so deep
2: on Fred. Yeah.
1: Got it. <laughs> it's like, what is the role of Fred? What is happening with the cis heteropatriarchy in the role of Fred? And like, what should men be doing? I mean, I'm 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 sorry, I'm right. exaggerating. Marion, what's the question?
2: <laughs> well, I think that's 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 about it. I mean, I think cis men might, you know, feel like they're supposed to identify with that character, but like can't quite figure him out. Mm-hmm. So so that's maybe stressful mm-hmm. um but i also it is ironic and interesting because you know he was that character is designed to very much sort of be you know to the side to not be the focus so then when he becomes the focus of the conversation it's just um
0: yeah it's, it's well it's because of that right <laughs> because like why would that ever happen to a man
1: Yes, that is what like, people are really concerned <laughs> with. Like, clearly the filmmaker is saying something really deep by not giving the man
0: a yeah. role. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, well then, shifting gears so that we're not only chit-chatting about Fred. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Is this a... Was this a... And, and like, I don't know how much you are sharing. So always you can say, no, no. Um, but is this, is this based, is this from your own lived experience?
2: Yeah, I do get that question a lot. I mean, I think as a filmmaker, everything is from the lived experience. Um, uh, while not literally this story or setup, Definitely inspired by you know setups that I've had, relationships that I've had, but also very much Hannah and Idella, you know, having and even Sivan, like having talked um a lot about kind of with each of them what relationships we've been in, and mm. you know, just kind of pulling from our collective responses to relationships that we've had or things that we want, that we wish we could have had, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, again, for me, like it wasn't not leading with the polyamory. I mean, this relationship between the two leads, Bertie and Lane is certainly, you know, pulled from all of the relationships <laughs> that I have had. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hear you.
0: I, I mean, I, there, I think the reason that it makes sense to have that question be part of the responses because I am interested in like own voices storytelling. And so I think that especially when you're dealing with something that's like underrepresented, like a relationship model like this, it just tends to be more appealing to me. Um, When there's, I mean, even just as somebody who's actually worked in television and film, I can often um, understand that, like situations and and dialogue and dynamics that people don't have personal experience with, it does affect what goes into the project, and um, it can. I have experienced some negative <laughs> repercussions when people mm-hmm. are writing outside of their own experience. Yeah, because uh, it's just like why is this in here? You know, that's, I think that's why, I, why I asked. That makes sense.
2: Totally. I mean, I think that leads us into the whole, <laughs> dare I say, tragedy of trying to be a writer. Like I'm going through just a lot of struggles with my writing right now, like writing the next script. And
0: it is just, you know, yeah. Well, What has it been like for both of you? And then Hannah, I, Am I right that you have mostly worked outside of film and in live performance, correct? Correct. Yes. So, and was this your first time being in a feature? It's definitely. Yes. First feature.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, And so what has it been like for both of you, you know, having this actually be out in the world and then sitting there at premieres or at... Sundance. I'm assuming there's like you know, been Q and A's, and there's a lot of conversation. You're watching the film. What's that experience been like? Yeah,
1: I can start. I think. Well, we didn't get to really watch it like with audience in theater because of the pandemic until about yeah, a little over a month ago, a month or a month or two ago when we went to the New York and Los Angeles premieres. And it's so funny because it, you know, at that point we had filmed it two years ago, so there's almost this, like, disconnect of, like, I'm, it was very fun, like, sitting next to Idella, like, watching it, the movie looked so beautiful, but I didn't necessarily connect to it as, like, oh, that was, oh, I'm watching myself, you know, because so much time had elapsed, it was, like, I'm watching this person who happens to be me, if that makes sense, and it was, and I think the, an interesting thing about, Being at the premieres is like, and the Q&As, which have been wonderful, there's this flip side of the question you were asking around sort of our personal experiences and how we bring them to the screen and like sort of authenticity and storytelling and writing from, you know, our own and, you know, making art from our own experiences, which in a podcast like this, where I've like listened to other podcasts, it feels like a really safe and important place to talk about that. And there's this flip side of that, that a bit at the premieres where I think people see a window, you know, sort of into a film that talks about polyamor, a film where there's like sex scenes and all of a sudden feel like they have like a permission to your personal life a little bit. Ah. So that was an interesting thing about watching the film and sort of what does it mean to sort of not, and, you know, it's very different from live performance where, like, if I'll do something really vulnerable on stage, I still have the memory of that in my body. And so some sense of, like, the audience's experience of me is also the experience that I've had of myself recently, whereas with film, it's sort of like, I kind of remember this. Apparently, there were, like, some sex scenes and then sort of going out and then seeing the ways that people respond like both very you know some of it's like very wonderful and exciting and some of it is like oh i see that like intimacy on screen means like that you are now making certain assumptions about what kind of you know what kind of ways you can interact with us
0: right that's very interesting and also because i'm just as you're talking i'm like yeah we don't i think culturally we don't have the same We just don't respond to like theater actors the way that we do to film and TV actors, because the highest echelon of TV and film actors are people who like, you know, over time, but also always um, were folks who are like that level of celebrity that they feel like unreal and they're like have so much money that they feel unreal and they have so much mm. access to support that I think they feel unreal. And I think that that can kind of trickle down a little bit mm-hmm. where like anybody who works in that medium then feels kind of unreal. Um, I think it's a little harder to do to somebody that you're that's like right in front of you. And also we don't really have the same reward system for people that are even like, you know, they're winning gazillion zillion Tonys and they're, you know, like I like. Like Cherry Jones got into film like whatever it was, like ten years ago or something, after being like revered as like the top of, the top of the tier in in live performance. So anyway, I, I I wonder if that's also part of what you're talking about. Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not it's like the sex scenes, but then it's also that it's like on camera versus if yeah. you were um doing sex scenes uh in a theater piece and then there was like a talk back. Like I I feel like that way less would get the question of like, how is that based on your, um, (laughs) yeah. And I, but I, but I do think that we, yeah, we have a really different relationship with people, two people who put themselves on film.
2: Yeah. Well, this is something I've, I've been thinking about a lot and specifically like in this country where we think of everything as product. Um, or as like consumer oriented and um, you know, I think because the medium f- between the medium for a Marvel movie and the medium for Marvel, My Beauty are the same. It's like you know, moving images on a screen with characters, I think the quote unquote consumers don't necessarily differentiate between like. The processes behind those two things and the intentions behind those two things are completely different mm. and therefore mm. kind of receive things either like literally then, you know, translate what they've beheld to like one star or five stars or whatever. And. And yeah, I found I mean, I've I've honestly found everything after our Sunday's premiere and the whole distribution process to be really rattling in that sense in terms of, you know, our process got to be had the joy of being so pure in terms of like, we were not super, we didn't have a huge budget. So we were not, we were not super results oriented. You know, we weren't, I was able to do things the way I wanted to do them. And, um, we were all really invested in just kind of the experimentation of the work and the actual choices we were making while we were doing the work. And then when it got, which was a mate, you know, it was transformative for all of us. And we've all carried away such things from, you know, the experience of just being able to like incubate and make a film. Um, and then, you know, now that it's on a shelf with, it's got a whole poster and is on a shelf with like all the other films. It's, it's, it just exists very differently out there. And, um, you know, to have, to have had the joy of being so the opposite of results oriented and now for it to be kind of taken as something like, what did you mean by this? You know, why, why is this here? Why is this here? And I was like, well, it's it's just quite honestly, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, how it would be perceived once it was on the shelf. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's what theater is, too. And Hannah's done mostly experimental work, right, in your theater, or a lot of experimental work. And, like, you can probably speak better to this than I can, but, um, you know, the joy of genuinely experimenting with your art um, is something that I think American moviegoers are not used to in the medium necessarily. So yeah, it's 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 been it's been weird to have the work also the work that is very personal in a lot of different ways, yeah, be kind of served on a platter to whoever wants to watch it.
1: It does feel like totally two different worlds, the worlds where we made the film and, and this world. And I kind of do this with my hands, sorry, podcasts where like one is like a sphere and one is sort of like a flat thing because yeah, I mean, I was talking with my therapist this morning about whatever all my the ways that my issues show up in my work and she was asking like well what have been like processes that like felt really good and I talked about Mabel because I think we did have this experience of like pure being with each other and presence and what I and again that being my first film I was like I want to do more of this like I want to do more of not thinking because you obviously need a lot of presence for a theater, but at the same time, it's always, you're performing. You have to have an understanding of the arc of the work. You have to have an understanding of what's, you know, what the audience is seeing at any times. But the sort of, this thing that felt like so liberating of just sitting and being present in the material that Marion had written and just being there and letting it happen and knowing that everyone who was there was just taking care of that container no one was kind of being like, okay, is it, is it good enough? Is it blah, blah, blah. Like it just felt like it was, we were all wanted to create this container where the most liberated work could happen. And that, I don't want that. I don't want to be like, that was the singular unique experience I had. Cause I hope to continue to have experiences <laughs> of that, but it I really, really, I feel sad that it's been so long and I really miss that
0: time. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're both sort of talking about the intersection between like art and industry, you know, and I think that that's something that film spans for sure. And there's there are also a ton of other mediums that exist both within art and industry. I think, like, live theater a little bit less because that's out of Broadway. People aren't really trying to make money as, like... uh, That's not, like, a (laughs) big part of it. I don't mean the actors. I even mean, like, the producers. It's, like... No, totally. It's, like, so that it can, like, exist is often, I think, um, the sort of bigger um, goal. But, yeah, I mean, it... Especially because... there's, you know, there's a reason to talk about this on, on this podcast specifically because, um, you know, we, in order for our stories to get told, they actually do have to be somewhat, they do have to have some level of commercial appeal. I mean, however your film was funded, and I don't know that, um, I, I, this wonderful opportunity happened and you and you got to go to Sundance and then you got to, you know, have premieres after that. Um, And then there's the sort of, like, broader scope of, like, if you get to make a film again and having already had that level of success, like, I would just imagine that maybe it it would be happening a slightly different way. I think it usually, after somebody has this experience of, like, you know, premiering at Sundance, like, it it just, things progress in a slightly different way. And um, and we do have to start to include, like, other voices and um, considerations. And that's also then how you grow your audience, which then positively impacts our community in like a good way. So it is this odd, um, well, at least this has been my experience. It's like an odd—I um, don't want to say like set of compromises because that's not it. But it, it, but it is like at some level, once things start going sort of okay, you are playing a game. <laughs> like that's just what's happening, um, and. I mean, I guess there's people who maybe aren't doing that or who it seems like they're doing that less. but, like, you know, I see I used to see <laughs> I used to see Miranda July at the dog park that I went to. like she lives in this town, you know mm-hmm. she's still she lives in this town, so yeah i'm I'm sorry if that has been like tough and harsh to sort of have something that felt personal and lovely. I, I relate to that. I, I definitely remember when, like, th- twice in my stand-up career, when I put out uh, the first album I ever put out, and people were like, they did not understand what the fuck was going on. And then th- it was after that I realized that they were going to compare it to like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the time, <laughs> what I said was Bill Cosby's best album. Never mind, <laughs> we don't have to worry about that now. But, um, mm-hmm. but it was like. They're gonna compare it to like the classic broadest appeal thing. I didn't realize that until I put something out. Um and then when I put out my special rape jokes, I didn't realize that they were that like I was gonna get asked about like rape at eight o'clock right. in the morning on random interviews. <laughs> I was like, right. Why did I do this to myself? But totally anyway, that's I, I, wow, that's really yeah. resonating with me. Yeah,
2: it's like no one. No one warned. It's it's also. I think it just happened very quickly. Also, um, like the experience of, and it's it's hard not to sound like an ungrateful brat because like I literally got everything that I think a lot of filmmakers dream of, like premiered at Sundance and then got acquired by a distributor right out of Sundance. Um, but like it all happened so fast, and what I realize is like by the time it's screened at Sundance. I had only showed that film to fewer than 15 people, you know, and then next thing I know, you know, that's it. It's, that's, that's the version of the film that's, you know, gonna exist forever on all the platforms that you have no control over. And, um, I was absolutely not prepared for that and I'm still processing that part of it, you know, and, um... Yeah it's it's but i get what you're saying it's it's good to hear about audience expanding also and like thinking of that as like you know reaching community reach as the reason to you know prevail through the vulnerable as hell exposure um yeah
0: yeah you got this you got this <laughs> Um, we're about to be like at our time. And I want to ask you both before we head back into our days, um, if you would shout out a Queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you could be who you are today. Could you shout out a Queero? It's you, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. Aww. Great.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah. I think you were my first. Oh, this is, you know,
0: this is so jokes. awesome. Sorry. Go, For, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was,
2: not, yeah, no, I mean it. I mean, like watching you do stand-up was really, I'm very like comedy is not something that I've ever found unless it's, you know, through, well, never something I've been drawn to as kind of like a cathartic tool. And when I discovered, you know, when I saw folks like yourself doing, Telling jokes about being gay when I was, like, 17. Um, That, you know, was necessary for me. And, yeah, I think just, you know, the visibility that you were unabashedly having up there with such confidence. You know, I'm clearly, like I said earlier, drawn to confidence, but specifically gender confidence. You know, just, like, that's something I think... The kids these days are no longer need. I think they've got it under control now, <laughs> but um, um, ten years ago, it was you know a big deal.
0: well, I really appreciate that that's really, really cool to hear and you know i'll I'll say, um, I don't know, like that's just constantly I hear from people that they like didn't like stand up, and it's that is that to me is like, yeah, like no shit. I mean. It's, like, not for us. Like, it's not just, I think sometimes people, I think especially, like, straight folks can be confused about, like, their relatability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I've heard so much about right. my relatability. But I feel like very uh, rarely has has somebody um, who's, like, straight, cis, gender-conforming person, like, had to worry about that. And I know for me, like, stand-up is not my most relatable medium for that reason, too, you know, like I just don't i I love to do it, and sometimes I really am watching somebody and I'm, i can really appreciate the craft because of how like nerdy I am about it at this point, but um you know, like 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 Dave chappelle's special just came out and like caused this huge like conversation that I really find very exhausting because like truly, I don't care about that guy he's not my guy. I've never cared about him. I've never watched a special that he did. Like, don't care. Um, And so, and by the way, that doesn't mean like, and so I don't care what he says, but it's more like somebody being like, are we canceling him? And I just, for me, it's like, he's irrelevant in my life. That's actually what I already think of that person. And I know that this is somebody, many, 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 many people's hero that do my job. And so, yes, we have to speak to those people, but it just is kind of wild sometimes how much the presumption is that like there are universal comics because it well, that's not true for me. <laughs> um and it's also true for film. So that's why it's so, you know, this is the shit I like to watch and read and listen to. It's like all I kind of care about. So I know other people, they might like different things, but it's not me. Who are they? Mm
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anna,
0: did you want to add? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can do my queero. Also, I loved how you described yourself as like being a stand-up comedy nerd because now I have a desired experience that I didn't even know. Like, I want to watch a comedy special with you and like have you um like live but vocally. Oh, this is what it would and like, like explain yeah. what they're doing. Oh yeah. my gosh. I would it's like i appreciate like i like well, i appreciate it's comedy special but i'm not yeah i'm not a nerd for it so i would sure. love like a k- true like craft person to be like this is what's happening so yeah i mean this is what I the guess.
0: experience will be like absolutely no laughter okay <laughs> Just, great, 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 great that's funny oh my god like, i can't wait that's the ultimate
1: <laughs> so right if you're if you're with so the back of this. the
0: If you're in the back of the room with the comics, maybe there's like some laughter at a good joke in a live setting, but much more often like debt, like, like full eye contact and just that's funny. That's it's the worst.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is bringing me so much joy. Just like imagining this and knowing that this world that I didn't even know exists exists like this is what (laughs) what we need in these days. Uh, my queero, I'm going to go first thought, best thought, my friend Natalie, whose last name I'm not going to say, cause I didn't ask them if I could (laughs) say their name on the air, but we started working on a very queer, uh, trans led piece of theater, probably like Seven, six, or seven years ago now, and they've just always been someone who just a really important um sort of like part like partner slash like walk alongside her in like my own gender journey specifically, and always like just accepted whatever version of my non cis self was, even as that was evolving for me as like the language that I've used to describe my own gender, the pronouns I've used have evolved. Like they've just been such a constant and been open about their journey as well. So I think having that sort of just like person that you're like holding each other's hands and just being with and being like, yes, I see you. Thanks for seeing me. Like that's my Queero.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. And and also Huge congratulations on the film. I mean, here's what I'll say. It's beautiful. And I think another thing that is really, really wonderful about this movie specifically right now is that it feels like a trip. Like, it feels like a vacation. It feels like going somewhere to an actual place and spending time with people. And I know that when I first got a screener, it was truly, like, the middle of the pandemic Mm -hmm. and I wasn't going anywhere. Um, And I... I really appreciated that and I hope that folks will get to see it for for many reasons but a lot for that reason because I think that's something that we all really need right now is to feel like we're seeing something that um that feels like a a real place and a real trip and a real vacation and a real break um and that's what that's what this film felt like to me
2: Totally. Thanks. And I would be, yeah, you can, anyone listening, you can um, watch On Demand starting on November 23rd. Perfect. Um, That's almost
1: like
0: right around Thanksgiving. Yeah, maybe you are like in a
1: family situation where you're just like, I need to like go to my room and be queer.
2: Take a vacation. Or you need a vacation. Or that you need a movie that will take your parents on vacation and then provoke really interesting conversation with them afterwards that you can deflect if you want to or engage with if you choose to.
0: What about a young this cousin? It's really cool. a queer cousin. They're just oh. finding out their identity. <laughs> <laughs> just just oh, pitching. Pitching is... ideas. <laughs> grandma.
2: You know, Love. actually My yeah, mom your grandma. In, my asked me about my mom asked me about Lesbian sex for the first time after watching my film, so that was pretty cool. I just
1: got a lot of emails that were like, "We saw your ticket."
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow! I want to know what your mom asked you. Yeah, Marion, what did your mom? Um, ask- but asked you don't have to me, tell us.
2: No, I'd love to. She asked me. Uh, she asked me who's wearing it and why is the person wearing it. Why does the person wearing it seem to be having an orgasm also? That's great a great question. question
0: though. Right? It is. It's a really paying attention question. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. 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 That's a great yeah, question. That, that like really that made it the whole movie worth it to me. I was like, ah, and gave gave my mom the tools to ask me about this. Wow. Yeah. That is like
0: in-depth. Mm
2: cool i love yeah. that question
0: <laughs> um, yeah
2: we should oh man we should have gotten this and our whole conversation started with this with the sex toy shop like there's something here we got to find some kind of sponsorship or something
0: absolutely 100 <laughs> percent.
2: it all ties in anyway november 23rd <laughs> thanks Cameron. it was really
0: nice to talk to you both
2: nice to talk to you too